Tiger. I don't care what you say. I'm gonna live it for one more day. I got a job, gonna leave this place. No more am I gonna be around. Oh, oh, it's a dog's world. 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 Watch it on you go right out the back door If you survive, let it be known You're gonna live till you're 30 years old It's a dark world It's a dark world It's a dark world It's a dark world Rich or poor, keep the beat When it comes to money, lose it in Shake his hand, spit on his back, then get his wife in the sack. Oh, oh, it's a dog's world. 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 There's one picture that'll beat them all. He'll be around when we're dead and gone. If we don't start acting like dogs, we'll all get. Turn it to mine. Ooh, ooh, it's a dark world. 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 And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard from Winnipeg, Manitoba, the stretch marks with Dog's World. And today on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, author, writer, slam dancer, Chris Walter, talking about his brand new book all about the punk band, from Winnipeg, Manitoba, the legendary personality crisis. And to warm you up to Chris Walter, if you haven't checked out any of his 14 other books, most of his books are fiction. This book that is written about personality crisis is a biography. We have some early, early, early Winnipeg punk rock containing members, future members of personality crisis. This right here is Low Life with Leaders. Low Life with Leaders. For the hands in the air I've lost contact and I'm in despair I pack the back and it's a big thrill Something goes wrong and you're ready to kill You're the leader of the scene But you've never been And you don't even know my name You've been mistreated and you've been done wrong So you uh, get with the group and put it in a song I pack the back and it's a big thrill Something goes wrong and you're ready to kill. You're the leader of the scene, but you've never been. You don't even know my name, and you think that you're ready for the world. Cause all you got is fame, and you think what's theirs, you change it into yours. You think it's all the same, 
big thrill. Something goes wrong and you're ready to kill. You're the leader of the scene that you never be. Don't even know my name. And you think that you're ready for the world. Cause all you got is fame. And you'll take what's best. Take it into yours. Think it's all the same. Not to talk your person I want to see. But sir, there only is one problem that person won't be made. You all think I'm crazy. There's only one thing that I see. When there's no one else I can trust, I think
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and an Ardwar to Human Serviette radio show. And who do we have on the line right now? Hello, are you there, caller? Yes, I am here. Who, who are you? I'm a recluse writer named Chris Walter. Well, a recluse being in that I distance myself from human society as much as possible. You are Chris Walter, author of the brand new biography, Personality Crisis, Warm Beer, and Wild Times. Yes. In stores now and released officially tonight at the Cobalt. 
Yep, that is correct. With the subhumans doing the honors, a Vancouver band leading the way, as always, right, Chris? A Vancouver institution, indeed. A Vancouver institution, one of the bands that started all helping celebrate the release of a book celebrating one of the bands that started it all from Winnipeg, Manitoba. What can you say about your book right off the bat here, Chris Walter? What is it? Personality oh. Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times. And who are you? I alluded that you've done fiction before. Is this fiction? This book is not fiction. This is a biography. The book is it's a rectangular shape, and it weighs about, uh, weighs about 400 grams, and it's made of paper. And it documents personality crisis from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, where you're from, Chris. Yes, a long time ago. I moved to Vancouver in 91. And speaking of laying the groundwork, I began the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show by playing The Stretch Marks and Dog's World. Woof, woof. Are you on that recording, Chris? No, I'm not, as a matter of fact. But I used to sing along with that song at the bar all the time. Are you pictured on any Stretchmark 7-inch records? I have a Stretchmark 7-inch record. <laughs> I'm looking at it here, but I don't see your photo. What photo of yours is on a Stretchmark 7-inch? It's on the, uh, I suspect you know that already, but it's on the Who's in Charge 7-inch, and I'm on the back cover and bent over. That's me with the Mohawk. I do not have that one. I do have the one that has professional punks on it, though. Really? I thought they only had, I thought that's one. Isn't it called Who's in Charge? Yeah, well, hold on. Let me grab it here. I am just grab it. Where is it? Okay, there it is. Uh, okay, there. I'm looking again. And Who's where are you? Look on the back cover. Oh, I am. And uh, there's a punk bent over with like a kind of a crooked blonde mohawk. Oh, that's you. Oh, wow, Chris. Okay, that's different than the photo that's in your brand new book, Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times, though, isn't it? Yes, and nobody even knows that that's actually the unwanted on, on the uh, author bio. Oh, that's the unwanted. I thought, yeah. it, I thought it might have been personality crisis or stretch marks. So right. I do see the back of your head is indeed on the back of the stretch marks record, which we began the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show with, with the song Dog's World. What can you say about the stretch marks we began with? Well, the stretch marks were a lot of fun because, you know, they, they, they weren't overly serious about uh, political topics, although, you know, they did mix that in. But, they, you know, they were very high energy and always fun to watch and, very energetic, very loud, everything I wanted, in other words. And after the stretch marks, amazing that your photo's on the back of this, Chris. Thank you for pointing it out live on air, live on an Nardwater Human Servant Radio Show. And actually, if anybody has any questions for Chris, it's 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR, about Chris's books. How many books have you done that are not biographies, Chris? Can you reel those off for us? That are not, well... This is the only one, the biography, so all the rest. Do you want me to list them all? Yes, please, if you could. Okay, uh, the first one was beer. The second one was mosquitoes and whiskey, followed by punk rules, okay, kaboom. I was a punk before you were a punk. East Van, Booze Can, uh, Destroy Canada. Let's see, Welfare Wednesdays, I'm on the guest list. Langside, Rock and Roll Heart. And I think that, yeah, Rock and Roll Art was the last one. Plus, we uh, published a few other authors as well, Drew Gates and uh, Simon Snotface, and a guy from England named uh, Stuart Black. And this brand-new book, Personality Crisis, Warm Beer in Wild Times, documents personality crisis from Winnipeg, Manitoba, where the stretch marks are from. Right after the stretch marks, I played both tracks by Low Life, featuring future Personality Crisis members. Right, Chris? That was a fine single. came out in 1979. 
And that was Leaders and Thinking Naturally. Those are the couple tracks that I played. What can you tell people about low life and their progression into personality crisis? Well, the low life, you know, they were one of uh, you know, Winnipeg's first real punk bands and the first band to put out a single. And Richard Duguay, the guitar player, was a member of Low Life. And so was Mark Halderson, the drummer. Well, he, of course, they were in Low Life. And then when Low Life broke up, they all went to, uh, to many other splinter groups. And then eventually they both ended up in personality crisis. But Mark Halderson soon quit after joining, and uh, John Card took his place. From 1979, Low Life, we heard with leaders and thinking naturally. Then I played Personality Crisis, Piss on You, written by John Card. And all about what? About fighting at the Calgarian. In Calgary, Alberta, because John was from Calgary, right? Right, and so he knew all about fighting with rednecks and cowboys at the uh, punk rock bar. So we had a bit of personality crisis there. And then I had yet another Stretch Marks one for you. Stretch Marks with Foreign Policy. If that was your first show, I would have been a fan for life if I'd managed to dial in that day. The Stretch Marks, Foreign Policy. And then we played Unwanted. Who are the Unwanted, Chris? Well, it's, Unwanted were actually just a bunch of snot-nosed brats on the uh, Winnipeg punk scene. They're you know, a couple years younger than the rest of the, uh, you know, the punk crowd, but... They quickly became a, a, a very good band. Uh, some well, they, their first singer he died of a brain aneurysm. Like after all, well, he uh, they kicked him out of the band, and then about several years later he died of a brain aneurysm. Well, quite a number of years later actually. But Norm Sim became the uh, lead vocalist, and at that point they proceeded to uh, tear Winnipeg a new one essentially. Early punk rock from Winnipeg. Kind of early, I guess. Well, I'm saying early punk rock because there really wasn't too much in the punk variety out of Winnipeg. Like Low Life put out their single in 79, but there wasn't vinyl till 83. There was a huge punk vinyl drought, eh? Well, it was in Winnipeg at the time, it was really hard to make any kind of uh, recording. It, you know, all the bands had generally had demo cassettes, you know, and that's about all you could manage to make if you're lucky. You got a four track in your basement and you made a demo tape, a cassette. You know, and if you wanted to make an album, you had to. Have well, nobody knew anybody, uh, any engineers who could actually record or mix punk rock, and cost a lot of money, and you had to have it pressed elsewhere. I don't, I don't know um, how Lowlife managed to get it together in '79, but the next punk vinyl didn't come along until '83 when Stretch Marks put out uh, "Who's in Charge." And we played "Unwanted" with Colorblind, and you were saying the recording quality wasn't up to snuff. I thought it was okay. But you're not too happy with recording quality on Unwanted, Chris. Oh, not at all. I mean, you should have seen the Unwanted or heard them live. You know, they're a completely different thing. You can't help be disappointed in that recording if you ever saw the Unwanted live because, you know, they were truly a, something to behold. I mean, really magical sort of act. And, you know, the record doesn't do them justice. What's really interesting about your book, Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times, we're speaking to Chris Walter, the author of Warm Beer and Wild Times, a biography of personality crisis from Winnipeg, Manitoba, is that it really is a history of Canadian punk rock in the early days in Western Canada. Although based in Winnipeg, there's a lot of references to Vancouver, to Calgary, to Saskatoon. It's all over. It's like a history of Canadian punk rock in a way symbolized by personality crisis and i played lastly the song kind of faded out here personality crisis song the jam did you hear that when you were waiting to come on no it sounded really weird on over the phone like it was like like mp3 was skipping or something like that and 
but, but I could hear something in the background. I could recognize Mitch's voice. Because that song is labeled Personality Crisis, The Jam. I have it on an MP3 format, but you don't think you've ever heard a song called Personality Crisis, The Jam, that has lyrics in it? No, it, uh, it was an instrumental, I believe. Uh, so maybe it's a mislabeling of some sorts that uh, popped up here on the Internet. This is actually from a little site here called Classic Winnipeg Hardcore. <laughs> They've got a whole bunch of vinyl mp3s up there but i guess you're here today chris to set the record straight and to help us delve deeper into the history of personality crisis from winnipeg manitoba there's one other band that's mentioned in your book the psychiatrists what were they like the psychiatrists they seem really interesting <laughs> yeah they were very interesting to say the least uh, glenn meadmore the uh, lead vocalist was this freakishly tall character who you know he was just he was too uh, he was too he was too colorful for Winnipeg, you know, and he, and by 1979, you know, after the psychiatrists broke up, you know, he had to leave Winnipeg. It was too small for him, you know, he just, he was too wild. <laughs> he was too wild for Winnipeg. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Go ahead, caller. I'm, are you, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead to Chris Walter, author of Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times. You're live on CITR, caller. I can't hear them. Uh, hello, caller. I'm, I'm, we're waiting for the caller. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey. Caller, go ahead. Chris. Hello. Hey, it's Richard. Hey, Richard. Richard's in L.A. right now. This is Richard Duguay from Personality Crisis. Hey, Richard, thanks for phoning in live. Really appreciate that. Yes. Hey, Richard, we're just going over some of the bands that are profiled in your amazing book that's been done by Chris. One of the bands was Psychiatrists. What do you remember about the band The Psychiatrists? I thought that was really interesting. What, somebody did a book on us? Ba-boom! <laughs> um, psychiatrists. They were fucking great. <laughs> they were... First U of M was the first time well, any of the bands played... And they were in, like, orange, like, mechanics outfits, not to be confused with the popular mechanics, of course. Um, and they were, they were, like, really good musicians, but they were pretty strange. They were really into Devo and stuff like that. So they were kind of, Glenn was kind of like a mannequin on stage. Kind of strange. And they ended up in L.A. just like you? Um, yeah. Yeah, you should look Glenn up while you're down here. He's in San Francisco now, but I did see him at a Ron Ashton show at the Coconut Teaser many years ago, which was kind of strange. Hey, Richard, can you speak a bit louder or a bit closer into the phone there? Just coming off a bit softly, we're trying to hook you up here with Chris Walter, and our facilities are not too good for the two-mic attack, but actually, probably, isn't that the story of personality crisis? You always had bad PAs. Actually, you may have had bad PAs, but you always had good sound, and I did not know that legendary soundman Hutch came from Winnipeg. What can you guys say about Hutch, legendary soundman Hutch, for people who don't know who was Hutch? Actually, Hutch was from Calgary. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he was in a band called, the first time we went there when Mark Alderson was still playing drums, he was, Hutch was in a band called The Breeders, not to be confused with The Breeders from many years later. Um, but I think Hutch was always a better sound man than a bass player, let's just put it that way. Ba-boom. He's been doing a lot of sound, though, lately. Now he has graduated to the League of White Stripes and Josh from the Queens of the Stone Age, right? Yes, right, yeah. Yeah, he makes a living great music. He lives out in uh, Joshua Tree and 
blah, blah, blah. He's doing awesome. I talked to him the other day, actually. Now, Richard, how did your band Low Life put out a 7-inch in 1979 in Winnipeg? We played that just earlier on here. You put out in 79. Nobody else really put out a record till the stretch marks, till 83. How did you guys put out a 7-inch in 79? Um, what happened? Our Rick Sprung, the singer, was working as a janitor in a place called the Guitar Land, I believe it was, in Winnipeg. And he traded some hours working there for studio time. So we basically had not free studio time, but he worked it off. And we met Mitch Funk at some party one night, and uh, I guess Rick somehow talked him into funding us to press it and get sleeves and shit. And so I think Mitch lent us $700, I think, or $800 or something. And that's how it happened. We just had this thing, three songs done, and um, worked on, did all the you know the artwork and shit ourselves, and sent it out to Toronto, I think, to get it pressed. And it wasn't that hard, actually. I mean, it was a lot of work, but mostly getting the sleeves and shit done was, you know. None of us had any experience in that kind of stuff. Well, it sounds great all these years later. And what do you think about reflecting back on all this stuff, Richard? We're speaking to Richard Duguay from Personality Crisis and also Chris Walter, author of a brand new book called Warm Beer and Wild Times, all about personality crisis. What do you think about when you think back to all this sort of stuff that's happened all these years ago? How did Chris approach you in saying... I want to do a book. And what did you think about a book about your past coming out? And did you want the book censored at all? Uh, the book is censored. The real story <laughs> is far worse than what the book... No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, we left out all the really, you know, the iffy stuff. Because that apparently was some of the criticisms of Joey Shithead's book, I Shithead, is he left out all the good stuff because he didn't want his kids to read it. Well, there's a lot of dirt in this book, actually, you know. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't... You know, you know it's not I to... actually, I remember talking to Chris way back, I don't know, how long ago was that, Chris? Like a year ago or something? Yeah, Eight when months. we first uh, started the book. And I was like, you know, we were going to obviously do a bunch of interviews and stuff. And I was like, well, do you want the real story or do you want the sanitized version? And he's like, well, I want the real story, of course. And I was like, okay. And, and that's I what just, we got. I didn't want to be any a part of anything that was kind of, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to sugarcoat anyway, so it would have been a pretty short book. If you took out all the dirt. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just what happened, you know. I mean, I, and there's more that happened, that, you know, for whatever reason. But, no, I mean, if, you're gonna, if someone's going to take the time and the trouble to, to write a book about a band or a person or whatever, I mean, if it's not the real story, then fucking why bother? I find it really interesting, the links between personality crisis and the fastbacks, how you kind of gravitated to Duff, but not only Duff, but Lulu, little Lulu from the fastbacks and personality crisis. What was that like, the interaction between Lulu from the fastbacks and Duff and personality crisis and Richard? They met in Vancouver. Yeah, we were playing, it was like summertime or something, and we were in Vancouver and Buddy Selfish putting on these gigs at City Space, I believe it was called. Ian Tiles of the Pointed Sticks for other... What's that? Ian Tiles of the Pointed Sticks. Yeah. 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 Well, back then he was Buddy Self. Right. But anyway, just for authenticity's sake. Um, and he, he put on the show, it's like in this 
it was a booze can warehouse or something, and it was us and the Fastbacks, who we had never met or played with or knew anything about. So we played the show, and it was it was great, and we hung out and met them and partied, well, quite a bit. And just, I became sort of close with Kim and Lulu and stuff and just kept in touch, and then we went down to Seattle, and we stayed with, Lulu, I believe, yeah, and then through her and Kim, because Duff had used to play drums in the Fastbacks, so they were all friends, and I met Duff through them, and then me and Duff became real fast friends, and just kind of went on from there. Now, obviously, Duff knew all about personality crisis and stuff, but over the years, as you've traveled playing many gigs, have you had many people come up to you say, hey, personality crisis, when are you reissuing stuff? What sort of stories have stood out for personality crisis? When did you first realize that people were interested in perhaps cataloging everything about personality crisis? Because the book has everything cataloged in it. Did you think that people were remembering all this stuff about personality crisis? Well, it's kind of... I... You know, on one hand, it's pretty flattering. On the other hand, it's like, you know, I mean, the humble side of me, I suppose, is just like, you know, why would anybody give a shit about this band that was 25 years ago or whatever it was? And it's, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you just go, really? You, you know, I actually met this guy. This is kind of a new, well, I guess it'll be up to you to decide if it's cool or not. But um, I go to this process group thing. doesn't really matter what, but... And I'm sitting there, and after the meeting's over, this guy comes up. He's kind of this punk rock-looking guy, and he's like, hey, is that a personality crisis tattoo on your arm? I'm like, yeah. He goes, fuck, they were one of my favorite fucking bands, blah, 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 blah. I love that band. And he goes, you know, how do you know them or whatever? I'm like, well, I played in them. He goes, did you play on the record? And I'm like, yeah. Frank. Goes, Whoa. And it turns out it's Casey Chaos from this band called uh, uh, Amen. Amen or something? Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like, I was like, are you serious? Like, does people recognize the name still? And it's kind of, it's taken on a life of its own, which is kind of strange. And now the book's out and, you know, everybody, or not everybody, but a whole bunch of people down in L.A. want them. And Right, Chris? Well, yeah, we had some problems with uh, the U.S. Postal Service. I shipped some to Richard and half of them got there and the other half didn't. Thanks, Homeland Security. But, again, in the true tradition of personality crisis, eventually they did get there, but there was trouble getting there. Wasn't that like with personality crisis? You guys kind of were buskers in a way, as Chris describes you in the book, Richard? Roving buskers. Um, Well, it's actually really more apropos of the fact that half of them never got here. Which is yeah, half more. the books never got the right. But personality crisis always got to the gig, didn't you? You always got to the gig, pretty much. Almost always. Uh, yeah, almost. <laughs> was there a story, Chris, that inspired you to want to write the book? Like, initially, that you thought, people got to know this story. Like, one particular personality crisis story. For me, when I think of local Vancouver bands, I love the band Death Sentence, of course. And the story related to me, how Pete Puke stapled his balls to a picnic bench. This was <laughs> told to me by Ham from the band Slow, Can't Ham, etc. It's always stuck in my mind. Was there one personality crisis? the story, Chris, that stuck in your mind when people would say, why'd you like personality crisis? And you would tell them, that would just grab them every time. Was there one defining story? Well, actually, the one, my favorite one that I didn't really learn until I started doing this book was that they all got pink eye from sharing the same eyeliner pencil. I thought that was, like, 
spinal tap. You know, that was just hilarious. <laughs> the most hilarious thing I ever heard. I, I Actually, I quite enjoyed that little tidbit there. Were there any other bands on the scene getting as much pink eye as Personality Crisis? No, they got more pink eye than anybody. When you showed up at gigs, was there anybody dressed like you, Richard? What's that? When you showed up at gigs and whatnot, was there anybody dressed like you? Were there any Personality Crisis clones after you guys started playing? Did you notice other people dressing up like you guys? Well, those guys all look like Johnny Thunders, but well, the punk I was going to say, like like I was kind of into my Johnny Thunders thing, so <laughs> I think in some ways, no, actually, I'm not even going to say that. Um, fuck, you know, I didn't care. <laughs> Whatever. It didn't matter to me. It's amazing, though, as I was mentioning, the memory, the detail that is into this book, Richard and Chris. We're speaking to Richard Dugay from Personality Crisis and Chris Walter, author of the book, Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times. And you're actually having a release party tonight in Vancouver. Right there, Chris? With the Subhumans, JP5, the Pogs, and Drunk Tank. Did you ever play with the Subhumans at all, Richard, in Personality Crisis? Did you ever do gigs together? possible yeah i don't really i don't remember anybody mentioning it no i don't i mean there's a lot of things i don't remember for different various reasons but i don't not that i recall anyway but the main thing about memory for this particular book it is incredible it's like somebody was keeping a diary who kept the diary was that cindy funk that kept the diary who kept the diary Uh, that, that was me i i've been keeping a diary since i was seven and all that stuff was noted down about, like, all the different gigs and the dates and everything, Richard? Yep. No, no, that wasn't from Richard's diary. Mostly, a lot of the way we were able to string the, uh, the actual uh, chronological order together was through the posters that we collected from uh, various sources, you know, through the Internet from a guy named Doug Humiskey. Um, you know, in fact, I had a lot of trouble trying to sort out, you know, which gigs happened when or even in which year until I actually got all the posters, and I, you know, and I put them out. Spread them all out on you know on a computer page, and then I and I got all the dates and the, and the years, and then it felt, then it started the picture really started to make sense as to you know what happened when when I actually had the posters that would you know give me the concrete timeline. Who kept the posters? A guy named Doug Humiski gave me most of them. Where's he from? He's from Winnipeg, but uh, you know a lot of people from all over Canada and even some guys in the states provided some of them. Because I just mentioned this again, the memory of all the members, too, like Dwayne remembers the support acts, the Dreadbeats borrowed his a- bass amp, like yeah. just a little, little tidbit like that. And the story doesn't go on. It's not like the Dreadbeats broke the amp, or maybe they did, but in the book, it just said they borrowed his bass amp, period. Just like that little tidbit thrown out, like remembering somebody borrowed your bass amp 25 years ago to have that little, t- it makes it so real when you're reading it. But that's all he remembers about the show. Okay. <laughs> But still, I still think it's great that that little tidbit was still in there. It just makes it seem so real. Because maybe he didn't remember anymore, it makes it seem even more real how it's all together there. Plus, you even have, like, CFL history in there. There's some (laughs) CFL history. And you mentioned Reach from the Top. How many hours of interviews did you guys do, Richard? How many hours did you participate in interviews with Chris and vice versa? Um, Many. (laughs) Lots. Probably, like, I don't know. 50 interviews or something. It just seemed like it went on and on and on. Yeah. You should have um, seen my phone bills for those three months. Hey, a lot of it was for free because I called you. Yeah, exactly. And, Chris, I like the way how you refer to yourself in the third person in the book. Like, you're like, Chris Walter started a zine. That's awesome. Well, I, you know, I, I wanted to fit, I had to fit that kind of stuff in there, you know, in a couple places. I didn't want to do it at all. I couldn't really 
find a way around it, you know. So yeah, most of the book is written, in, you know, in first person. But for those parts, I had to had to do it that way. I couldn't think of another way to do it. And you had a fanzine at that time too, right? Ages of Rage. And that got out there. Well, uh, Matt, when he took over, he had a better idea of, you know, how to get circulation and stuff like that. And he, uh, so he, he managed to cook up with some people in uh, L.A. and uh, distributed it from, you know, from there. And, uh, you know, through the same, circul- uh, same uh, distributing company that uh, Maximum Rock and Roll used to. So, so that helped get it out there. But then, you know, he ran, ran out of interest, and so did I. And so after, like, five copies, we five you know, just five, like, uh, five issues we gave up. I mean, we didn't have computers to put it together or anything. It was all, like, you know, glue stick. What time of day do you write, Chris Walter? What time of day do you write? All day. Every day. <laughs> well, you know, I used to do a lot of drugs. Now I just write. In the book also, Chris Walter, you refer to Robin Black as being from Toronto. Uh, well, I don't really know a lot about Robin Black, so if uh, so if that's if I say he's from Toronto, I probably learned that detail from Richard. I don't. Yeah, I thought he was from Winnipeg, actually. He is from Winnipeg. Yeah, but I think it's funny in the book you say he's from Toronto. It's like he outgrew Winnipeg, and now he doesn't deserve to be called to be oh, from right. Winnipeg. He moved there from Winnipeg. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was kind of neat, like how you refer to him being from uh, Toronto, which is great. Like he kind of what was that incident all about there, Richard? The Robin Black incident. <laughs> I can hear Richard laughing. Uh, which, were, which one were you referring to? There was a mention of in the book how somebody asked Robin Black oh, up on stage, okay. but he didn't quite finish the lyrics for the song oh, properly. Right. Where I was... <clears throat> this is like 10 years ago or something. I, <clears throat> I flew to Winnipeg to do a show with uh, Mark Halderson and Colin Bryce who used to be in Discharge and the dub rifles, etc. Uh, we were playing out on Pembina Highway somewhere, and so we get to the show, and it kind of turned into a, um, well, people didn't learn the songs, like my songs and shit, so we ended up just doing, like, covers like Dolls and Thunders and Iggy and MC5 and stuff. And Beforehand, Robin Black, you know, apparently he was, like, a big fan of mine or something. And... Um, so he, he he goes, hey, come out here. So we go into the bathroom, and he pulls out a little bindle of cocaine, and he goes, you want a line? I was like, oh, absolutely. So I went and snorted the whole thing. And then he gave me some shirt or something like that, and then we were on stage, and he's like, hey, can I sing a song? And I was like, what do you know? And he was like, I think it was like Personality Crisis or something, the song, strangely enough. I think it was anyway. And he gets up and he can't, doesn't know the lyrics. So I'm, you know, after half a verse, I'm like, hey, get the fuck off the stage. So I kind of threw him off the stage. And our drummer sees him being, a few minutes later, being escorted out by his girlfriend. And he's like crying because I've kicked him off the stage and she had to put him in a cab and take him home. Poor Robin. I guess I broke his heart or something. I don't know. 
some of the stories described in Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times by Chris Walter. And we're speaking here live to Chris Walter and also Richard Duguay from Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times is in stores now. It's all about Personality Crisis. And Chris, your prose is very, very descriptive. Very, very descriptive. What do you think about Chris's writing style, Richard? <laughs> asking me? What do you, yeah, what do you think about Chris's writing style, Richard? Um, well, that's kind of a weird <laughs> question. Um, it's amazing. No, oh, come on. Give me one. I think it's very descriptive. In the oh, it's, se- it's totally dis- I mean, I don't know what to say about shit like that. I mean, it's, I've read a whole bunch of his books and stuff like that, and I, I don't know. I read a lot of books generally, and I think he writes great. And I was like, when he offered, or not offered, but said he was going to write a book about personality crisis, I was like, fucking perfect, perfect guy to write about it. He was there, he understood the band, and, and he writes great. So, I mean, what more could you ask for? I love the prose that you use, Chris Walter. For instance, on page 46, you are so descriptive when you say, quote, through a log of his own feces. <laughs> I, I love that you say the word, through the feces, but it isn't just throwing the feces, it's a log of feces. <laughs> well, you know, if you use feces, is, I think, you know, it's an even more disgusting word than shit, you know, when you get right down to it. So feces is good, but I would like the way you use the word log as well. Log and feces equals... Well, it was indeed a log. Well, well there, you know, there is different... Oh, forget it. Let's not get into this. <laughs> oh, actually, what was that referring to, Chris and Richard, the log of feces getting thrown? On Have people? you ever had a bowel movement? <laughs> I'm having one right now. Well, have a look when you're done. It doesn't look like a log. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> uh, but at what point, though, was it thrown up on stage? Was that a low-life era when the log was thrown up? I can't remember exactly. No, that, that was, was in the 80s. The Rifles were playing it there. Yeah, probably uh, about 82. Matt from Winnipeg. The Dub Rifles were kind of... Fuck, I don't know. They were a, kind of a mod band. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, they were mod-ish influenced. And they were, you know... In some ways, some of the band thought that they were not better than everybody else, but they they were distancing themselves from the punk rockers, let's say, and which wasn't, you know, being as it was back then. So I guess somebody figured they'd show them. And Matt went to the toilet and fished out a log of feces. Oh, he used a wad of uh, toilet paper in his hand. Yes. And the best part was that he was playing, Colin was playing a Rickenbacker hollow body, and the shit got inside. <laughs> he was aiming for uh, for uh, Matthew's saxophone, though. He wanted to get it inside the saxophone. So that he would then suck it in. <laughs> so to speak, yes. And that happened with Mitch, the singer of Personality Crisis. He didn't swallow feces, but he swallowed, like, MDA or something? Like, somebody from the crowd threw it into his mouth? No, they, they popped it into his mouth, but it was probably PCP. And then at that point, he had to continue playing, but was not really wanting to continue playing, but then was consoled by Walter? Right. He was afraid that, you know, he, he, didn't always, he was probably unfamiliar with the drug, and he didn't know what was going to happen to him. But Walter, who was, uh, you know, experienced in such things, like, you know, just walked him through it, and he was okay. So Chris Walter and Richard Duguay, I mentioned this kind of before, about how ter- personality crisis toured and stuff. What is the way that you were doing it? Roving buskers? What cities did you have extended stays in? Because this is so much different than bands, how they tour today. What can you say about how bands, how you toured, Richard? How you were almost like roving buskers? Well, um, 
we pretty much had extended stays in every city we went to. That's what I was going to say. Um, just we had no management and stuff, so we just we get a show that paid a hundred dollars, and we'd play and end up staying for a week till the next show. And it was, I mean, it pretty much ate the band alive sooner sooner than later. But, what what you know. cities particularly did you stay in? Like Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles? Which cities? Every did you, city. Every city. But where did you stay the longest? Was that San Francisco? Yeah. In 83, we stayed there for like, I think, three months or something like that. And was it basically in one spot that you were saying, the guy from Risky Records parking lot, you stayed for three months? No. We stayed there on and off. We stayed in Berkeley. We stayed in the Mission District. We stayed... You know, wherever we could, basically. But Mike's was kind of like the headquarters, right? And it's interesting, as I mentioned, because nowadays a band books a tour, but you guys just went for it. You just had these extended stays in the cities and just got the gigs. Like, amazing. Just like, And I love the way how, like, you'd leave Winnipeg during the summertime and, like, you'd have to be back for the winter. Why did you have to be back for the winter in Winnipeg? It's the Winnipeg thing. You wouldn't understand unless you were from there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand it. I'm from Winnipeg. They'd be down in San Francisco for the summer, and then they'd, and the next thing you know, they'd well, they'd actually they had a some kind of habit of uh, all returning to their home cities for Christmas holidays, and then after after Christmas, the band would regroup and they'd uh, start touring again. The name of the book is Personality Crisis, Warm Beer, and Wild, Wild Times. Time. We're speaking to Chris Walter. Chris Walter, and there is a Walter in the band too. And Chris, you're having a release party tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at the Cobalt, right? Right, right. With the Subhumans, and we're speaking here to Richard Duguay, who is right now in Los Angeles at this very time. Yeah. Thank you so much for phoning in. I really appreciate it. Oh, hey, one thing. Hey, Chris. Yeah. You there? Yeah. Hey, and you want to plug the record or what? Oh, that's right. Um, um, War on Music from Winnipeg is re releasing the. uh, the uh, Creatures for a While album. It'll be out today as well. Today is the official release date. Oh, great. So people can finally pick yeah. that up. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, mixed and mastered. Just to, It'll be like the original album itself, except uh, the, the front cover art is uh, enhanced a little, but otherwise it's uh, exactly the same album. Now, the book is a lot about personality crisis, but it does include a lot of stuff, as I mentioned, about Canadian punk rock, stretch marks. But I think also, Chris, you guys could market this book on the food angle because there's a lot of food in this book, like showing how hungry to bet. I love it. It's like almost a food book. <laughs> well, that's kind of ironic considering how little the band actually ate when they were on the road. But I think they really remembered. You really remembered what you ate on the road, didn't you, Richard? Like, one of my favorite parts of the book is hearing what you guys ate. Mostly they remember what they drank. But still, there's lots of neat stuff like Yoda. Who was Yoda? And what's the story of him finding steaks that had fallen off a truck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, he worked for, like, a a bottle depot company. He'd pick up uh, bottles from, you know, restaurants. And he'd walk in the back door and he'd pick up the... uh, the cases of empty bottles, and you know, take put them in his van. One time, I guess a box of steaks accidentally went out with those bottles, and that helped feed personality crisis for how long, Richard? I uh, actually wasn't there, so I, I'm still waiting for my cut of the steaks. <laughs> yeah, he, at that mo- at that particular time, Richard had quit the band, and he was in Winnipeg. And then when he rejoined, he, he originally was the bass player, and then he, when he rejoined, he came back as the uh, rhythm guitar. Well, these were some other little tidbits I noticed from the book about food. John Card remembering the amazing noodles he had in Seattle 26 years later. (laughs) 
and that place was <laughs> pearls was you know like it was shut down by the health department all the time so I'm glad they tasted good and the band didn't get sick because they easily could have. And Richard, what about eating the Romantics lasagna? Did you eat the Romantics lasagna? No, I think Mitch ate it all. <laughs> he was so no, full. I, I, I never, never was much for food before we played. <clears throat> I preferred like beer and shit. Buying veggies in Chinatown in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the worst coffee ever in Swift Current. <laughs> yes. Although, since then, I've had many equally as bad cups of coffee on the road, so... But again, this is all documented in Personality Crisis, warm beer and wild wild times. But it's incredible that these little tidbits still live on about all this little food stuff. What is the biggest feast that you had in Personality Crisis? I know there wasn't a lot of food, but what was the biggest feast that you remember, Richard? Uh, the Chinese food leftovers that Billy Idol and his band left us. They were kind enough to leave the leftovers, or did they just kind of leave without knowing that they were leftover? Um, I believe that they allowed us to partake in their leftover Chinese food. Was that it, was, and that the, was nice of them, wasn't it? And the Romantics leaving lasagna, so you were basically paid by major label corporations indirectly. <laughs> indirectly? Very indirectly, yes. For rehearsing with Personality Crisis, Richard, what did you do? Did you guys just practice the same song over and over? Did you have tons of songs? You're having a CD re-release of your record tonight here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at the Cobalt. How many songs did you do in Personality Crisis? Is there a lot of unreleased stuff? When you guys practiced, did you just do the same songs? What happened? There's a shitload of songs. Um, Excuse me. Um, Tonight's actually just the book launch. The, the record isn't ready yet, apparently, until next week or something. But after that, um, John and I are going to, as far as I know, we're going to do a CD release of it with a whole bunch of extra stuff, unreleased stuff and some live stuff. And uh, Yeah, there's a ton of songs that most people have never heard, and some of them for a good reason. But <clears throat> now we rehearsed, like, whatever we were writing. I mean, we just rehearsed everything all the time. I mean, we rehearsed... 10 hours a day, 8 hours a day, like 4 or 5 days, 6 days a week. We just, you know, we just played and played and played. And Sadly, there was a lot of stuff, like right in 84 before the band uh, folded, that never didn't get recorded anywhere, you know, and it right. was their, their love. There is some stuff on YouTube, I think, of some of that stuff from the Playhouse, like the last show. Those were a couple of the newer that songs, had an right? excellent stage manager working it, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, that Richard, is in, was, Richard was the stage manager that night, and you cut them off. <laughs> no, I did not cut them off. I you I did your finished. job. You did your job. You right. didn't cut them off. You did your job, right? right? Exactly. You did what you were told. Who was Walter in the band Personality Crisis? What can you tell the people about Walter from Personality Crisis? Also, the crazy Ukrainian. And he in I wasn't crazy. And he in nineteen. 19- <laughs> 1981, it's mentioned in the book, he sold his stereo for 900 bucks in 1981. Was that like a really good stereo? Must have been. Uh, it must have been. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall that at all, but I'm sure it must have been a pretty amazing stereo back then. Describing personality crisis on stage, there's a mention of padding on your amps. Did you guys put padding on your amps so you could, like, whack at the amps and they wouldn't get broken, or you wouldn't get broken when you went into the amps? Walter did that so he wouldn't break himself. Yeah, because he would always, he had this kind of infamous move where he kind of, like, did some twinkle toes, kind of like 
Do you ever see uh, the Flintstones when Fred Flintstone is bowling? You know, he kind of twinkle toes. It's kind of like that, and he'd do it back and forth. And when he got back to his amp, he would put one foot up, hit the amp, and he ended up always blowing up the speakers. And and Walter <laughs> was known for knocking over his amp and shit, so or hurting himself in the corners. So after a while, he just learned to put padding on the corners because you know he, after a show, he couldn't feel anything while the band was playing. But then after, he'd have like these huge bruises and stuff. Richard, Personality Crisis did many gigs with many different bands. You played with Slayer, but you can't remember playing with Slayer? No. Oh, that, yeah, apparently I didn't remember that. A Day in the Dirt. You just um, remembered Laws Rockets. It was this weird, there was like a two, what is it called, Day in the Dirt or something in, yeah. in Berkeley. And yeah. The first day was all punk rock bands and like Black Flag, I think, was headlining and blah, blah, blah. And then, but for some reason, they put us on the metal day, which was the Sunday. Well, the promoter didn't know how to, uh, you know, categorize personality crisis. I, I guess that had something to do with it or maybe it, more than likely they just we got thrown on the bill at the last moment, which was pretty typical. And it was just horrible. It was all these spandex, you know. Yeah, there's a police helicopter overhead here. Uh, all these spandex bands and shit. And it was just fucking horrible. And I, for some reason, I only remembered the one band, Laws Rocket. And apparently there was Slayer. And who else is there? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, suicidal Tendencies, were they on the bill? But that's the day that uh, after we played, we only played about three or four songs. We were like, fuck this. So we bailed. And then Bob Noxious, who was our supposed roadie that day was caught in somebody's trailer rifling through shit and all of a sudden all these people were chasing us and we booked into the van and got out of there as quick as possible and they were throwing rocks and shit at us and luckily well, we got away otherwise it might have got pretty ugly bob had a way of uh, creating trouble or perhaps it just followed him around on page 141 of Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild, Wild Times, <laughs> there's a mention of you guys, Richard, playing a gig with the Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat. Quite a prestigious gig, but you didn't get too much money. And then afterwards, or any money at all, Jello tried to console you, it says in the book. Jello Biafra tried to console you. What did he try to console you, and how do you smooth things over with somebody who's got no money? He was trying to console uh, Dwayne, actually. And we don't really know what he tried to say, that, what he said to Dwayne, but you know, he, that was the idea. You know, he came outside and sat down on the curb next to him and tried to explain to him, that, you know, that you know that rock and roll is a vicious game, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't the actual bands, though, have any power, Richard, like when you were playing with these bands? Couldn't Minor Threat or Dead Kennedy say, look, we should split this evenly? Well, Minor oh, Threat, yeah, like that would ever happen. Yeah, well, Minor Threat have a, you know, they have a reputation of being really fair with, you know, all the bands they played with and with their, you know, their crowds. But, you know, office, you know, sometimes the promoter just wouldn't give them an opportunity to do anything like that. And this sounds like one of those occasions. Same with Dead Kennys. I don't know that, that they ever, you know, ripped off bands that they played with. And this sounds like something the promoter did. Richard, tell us about the Winnipeg punk rock brew known as Swish. What's that? What is the Winnipeg punk rock brew Known as Swish. I don't think Richard knows about that. It's something we used to do, actually, and some you know, some of the kids I knew. And you, they would just get like these uh, empty whiskey bottle uh, kegs from like the distillery, and they would just add like a gallon of uh, boiling water, and then you just swish it around in the barrel and leave it for about an hour or two, and then you pour it out and drink it. And you know, and it was like at least forty percent alcohol. It can you know 
had a lot of uh, you know wood preservatives and stuff and like that, and it produced hellish hangovers. But it, you know, it was very cheap. Who was Margot McCall, and what happened to her frozen cat? Well, probably, the cat probably saw it out, but Margot McCall was one of the uh, wilder punk rock girls, and she was very colorful and interesting and fun. And, you know, I thought she was really great, but she was also a bit too wild for Winnipeg, and she now lives in no, somewhere in the States, not Los Angeles, but uh, somewhere in the States. Did she really have a frozen cat? What was the deal on the frozen cat? Well, I was with her that night, and we were going from one party to another party, and she found this frozen cat on a, on the, on somebody's lawn and or the boulevard. No, it was on a boulevard. So she got this rope or this cord somewhere. I don't know where she got it from, tied it around the cat's neck, and she was dragging it from to this next party, and it kind of left this snowplow sort of trail behind us, you know, as it dug through the snow. And then we got to the party. She tied up the cat outside, and actually, I think she just left it there tied up to the railing. We, you know, we, we left the party, and when, I, and when we finally left, I think we left the cat there as well. Richard of Personality Crisis, which punk bands did not come through Winnipeg? Because looking at the list of punk bands that came through Winnipeg, it seems like every punk band came through Winnipeg. Not TSOL. No. no. <clears throat> Generally not. Well, depends on what level. But, I mean, back in 81 to 84 or whatever, I mean, there was a lot of bands that came through, but... Most of the big ones never really came through until maybe later. But you had, like, the Misfits come through. You had Minor no. Threat come through. No, Misfits, misfits were never, never there. played Winnipeg, I don't think. No. They didn't? No. Not to my knowledge. Oh, okay. Not, not Maybe later, but not in that period. But I not, don't think they ever played. They um, no, never. I was there until 91, and they never played. So by then, they'd you know, officially broken up. But 999 and the Dickies came. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a great show. Nicky, yeah, Dickies was, were there yeah, quite often, show. actually. Because I find that really interesting, is you had quite a few bands come through. And, of course, that legendary show that was captured on video, Minor Threat, on Alternative Rock Stand, out right. of Winnipeg. What was that like? What do you remember about that show, Richard? The yeah. Minor Threat gig that Personality Crisis played. Um, I remember doing a whole bunch of speed, drinking a ton, and those guys were not too thrilled about it. But um, the thing I remember most about that is the next day they were staying at the place where I was living at uh was that lewis or something chris yeah where mitch lived <clears throat> and uh, a couple of the guys got sick in minor threat and they seemed to be pretty much mama's boys because they were on the phone to their parents in dc and they were all sniveling and whining and i ended up taking them to emergency that was probably lyle who now plays in uh, bad religion yeah there was a the he was only 16 at the time were sick and I remember their roadie or whatever I took them because they obviously didn't know where it was, and we're out having a smoke, and I'm like, these guys for real? I mean, they got fucking sore throats, and they're fucking sniveling and whining. I just like the mighty minor threat, and there's a bunch of pussy from these. Well, you have to remember the wild. He was I mean, I really like their band and stuff, but I was just like, I don't know. It was just kind of funny. You can also check out that show. It is on YouTube, Alternative Rock Stand. You can search Alternative Rock Stand, Minor Threat, Winnipeg. Whatever happened to that show and Dan Pache, the interviewer? Dan was at the uh, book launch in Winnipeg. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. He was there. The last thing I remember him was he was in um, around Wellington's in the Royal Albert with like a rickshaw, and he was trying to start some business of 
of rickshawing tourists around the exchange district or whatever the hell it was called. And I didn't know that. Pretty fucking funny. <laughs> well, there's no money in cable radio. No. It's a great show, cable, though. Cable TV. <laughs> How many shows did he do? Because the clips I've seen are pretty amazing. He went, like every what? Sunday. I yeah, think. he went on for years. Yeah. Every band, every Winnipeg punk band was on there, basically. My brother's band, Youth War, was on there. Stretch Marks, Unwanted, of course. Personality Crisis. Yeah, unfortunately, pretty much everything is lost. I think because it was on videotape. I think they just taped over everything. Or it was thrown out, perhaps, if it was cable or, access. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. Richard, were you in the band in Personality Crisis when you played with the Exploited? Um, this was, I think, in Toronto. It's mentioned in your book. Oh, no, no, definitely not. Because I noticed that that was kind of nice, Chris, that the Exploited's manager gave Personality Crisis a tire. No, he sold it to him for 20 bucks. Oh, okay. And it was, the, it was actually belonged to the uh, rental company. They, you know, they, it was a rented van, and he sold them the tire for, that belonged to the rental company and put Pearson Personality Crisis old used tire in its place. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with his Scottish heritage, but, uh, <laughs> you know, some, a couple people have pointed that out. Richard Duguay of Personality Crisis and Chris Walter, author of the book Personality Crisis, Warm Beers and Wild, Wild Times. Times, speaking to me live, Nardwarda Human Serviette, on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show. And if anybody has any questions for Richard Duguay or Chris Walter, 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR. Chris Walter's book launch is tonight at the Cobalt in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with the subhumans playing. Now, does this symbolize Alberta punk? Does this symbolize Alberta Punk on page 177? The fans, many of them in top physical condition from jobs in the oil rigs, unloaded plenty of aggression on each other. Well, that's what it seemed like to me because I was there with the nostrils one time and, and you know, it was amazing. They were just beating the hell out of each other. And, and then as soon as the song ended, they would, you know, they'd help each other up. And even those guys with bloody faces, they would, they would wipe the blood off and they'd be shaking hands and everything was fine. And, after the show, they're all drinking. And... Caller, are you there? Yes. Go ahead to Personality Crisis. Hey, I just got to say, Piss on You is one of the best songs on the BYO comp. And Chris, you're a wanker. <laughs> and I'll see you tonight. It's Otis. Oh, oh right. Otis, right. <laughs> Otis is in uh, a band called The Drunk Tank, and they will be on this bill. Well, thanks for phoning in, Otis. What do you know about Personality Crisis? When did you first get into Personality Crisis, and have you read Chris's book yet? No, I've read lots of Chris's books. Um, I was even uh, outside of the Shoppers Drug Mart when he was uh, getting beer, his first novel, uh, printed up with uh, his girlfriend, Jen. But I have yet to get to that one. Well, you should use the Personality Crisis book as your guide for your band. <laughs> hey, well, you know, <laughs> warm beer, wild times. Uh, I think we're halfway there, if not over the limit. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll check it out tonight at the Cobalt and doot doot a loot do. Doot doot. And caller, are you there? Hi, Nardwar. It's uh, Jerry Jen from JP5. Go ahead to Richard Duguay and Chris Walter, Jerry Jen. Well, I wanted to say hello to Richard out in uh, Hollywood and uh, thank him for uh, picking me up at LAX uh, back in July. How are you, Richard? I'm good. You? Excellent. Well, I got the wrath from Miss uh, Ginger Coyote from the White Trash Debutantes. Well, she was very happy to hear that she was included in the book Warm Beer and 
wild, wild times. times. But I guess uh, she wanted her uh, freebie. But um, uh, I guess uh, Chris was holding out for a few more interesting uh, PC stories. I guess all she had to say about uh, your uh, fabulous <laughs> band was that you drank a lot. Yeah, and I know, we pretty I much got that, that. that figured out a while ago. Uh, Jerry Chen, what about Richard's other band, TT Racer? What can you tell the people about TT Racer? Oh, well, TT Racer, they they hit the scene in the early '90s, and uh, you know they were all about uh, <laughs> motorcycles, rock and roll, and uh, put on some great shows. And of course. Uh, Left us uh, to pursue bigger dreams in Los Angeles, and hey, tell, 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 tell them about our new band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the new band. I'm, I'm going to be putting up the posting, uh, the photos uh, of your new band, which you are still looking for a name. The last time I saw saw your rehearsal on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, but uh, Richard's uh, playing guitar with his uh, lovely partner in crime. Filmmaker Paula Tiberius on drums, and Lindsay on bass. And what about you, Jerry Jen? Well, uh, JP5 is back in the saddle again to play with uh, the Subhumans tonight for the big book launch. The Cobalt Hotel with uh, the Pogs and Drunk Tank. And JT Massacre sitting on drums. And JT Massacre is back from his European tour with Big John Bates. He had a great time, and uh, we just can't wait to uh, support the book. I also uh, did a great review for, uh, (laughs) not to blow my own horn, but for uh, Punk Globe magazine put out by uh, Ginger Coyote. It's an internet magazine, uh, Punk Globe, so you can read all about warm beer and wild times. So, Jen, you've read the book then. You have read the book. I have read the book. Now, wasn't uh, it amazing, the little details that are in that book, Jerry Jen? It's amazing that uh, the total recall. No, no, there's a lot of mistakes in there, believe me. (laughs) Well, what I was curious about, Jerry Jen, what did you think about the part where John Card ended up in Honcho magazine? (laughs) No, I heard that he was the one guy that held out. Yeah. I know when we were in, when JP5 was touring in Toronto, we stayed with uh, Jimbo, the singer, the new singer for uh, the Day Glows, and uh, he was willing to drop his drawers for five hundred bucks for uh, six hundred US. Uh, six hundred US. Yeah. <laughs> but I think John Card, uh, yeah, he he didn't want to drop Trow for. For uh, such a low figure. What do you know about that story, Richard Duguay? John Card, the drummer of Personality Crisis, almost making it in Honcho. And who did make it in Honcho? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I'm, I hear um, that John Card was the understudy for Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, John, Card was playing, John Card was playing in a band with the, the guy who, see, he's a, um, oh, what's the name of that band? Uh, Blue Rodeo is a twin brother. Uh, John was playing with his, you know, the guy that he's in Blue Rodeo, but John was playing with his twin brother, and uh, Honcho approached him for with the uh, with the proposals, you know, for six hundred to drop his well strip for six hundred bucks, and uh, Jimbo what? Jimbo Jack was in there as well. Well, different different shoot, of course, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I think John was just too expensive for them. Amazing little details you learn in <laughs> Personality Crisis, Warm Beer, and Wild Times release party tonight at the Cobalt. Thanks for phoning in, Jerry Jen. Anything else you want to ask or say to Richard Duguay or Chris Walter? 
Just can't wait to uh, rock out. Great book, Chris. Uh, Keep uh, rocking and rolling, and we'll uh, see you tonight at the Cobalt. You bet. All right. Thanks for calling in, Jerry Jen. And doodle do, oh, well, we're almost uh, winding up here on an Ardwater Human Survey at Radio Show. Wanted to mention also a couple other things to you, Chris, and to you, Richard, about John Card. John Card's cousin plays in the band Journey? Well, he was, uh, he, I guess he sat in with them. Or, or, or he was a member of the band for a while. Um, yeah, he's a, a Mormon, too. You know, so I guess uh, John's uh, niece, I, guess, I think she was his niece or something like that, she was worried that uh, John might... Uh, end up like one of these crazy rock and rollers and end up bands like Journey. But one of his relatives is in Journey or play? Not anymore. I think he, you know, he was in the band briefly or, you know. But it's amazing, like Journey, Honcho Magazine, and he's related to Brigham Young as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, Johnny's a couple of guys. What was the Mike Vernon cabin story that's revealed in Personality Crisis, Warm Beer and Wild Times? Well, Richard wasn't there because uh, he'd flown back from Vancouver. But uh, they didn't say much really about the party itself, only that uh, the next morning when uh, John's uh, relatives showed up to stay, well, I guess there were friends of John's relatives, showed up to stay at the cabin, and they didn't know that uh, personality crises were there at the times. And, of course, when they came staggering out after having drank all the booze in the place and into the bright sunlight, the... Uh, the poor family had quite a fright when they, they saw who was staggering out of the cabin to greet them. And the cabin was later bought by Mike Vernon from the Calgary Flames? Who tore it down and put up a huge monstrosity of a cabin. So indirectly, personality crisis helped the Calgary Flames drummer. Indirectly. <laughs> Goalie, I guess drummer, because he played yeah, yeah, a big hey, Yeah, goalies are like drummers, aren't they? And the Joe Strummer story is finally revealed in this book, too. The Joe Strummer-John Card connection. If you look at that photograph, it almost looks photoshopped, but, you know, it's not. It is photoshopped. <laughs> That's what uh, Brian Gobel was saying last night. He says, you look at that photograph, and it's almost like it's photoshopped. But And it's the night that Joe Strummer jammed with the evil twang? What was that all about? Joe no, Strummer no, was... Joe Strummer's drummers was uh, singing for The Clash at that time, and he came to an evil twang show. And it was all documented in Warm Beer and Wild Times. <laughs> Like I mentioned, it's not only just about personality crisis, it's about other types of things, like the history of punk rock and all sorts of neat things in Western Canada, etc. Richard, what can you tell the people about the Carling Liberation Army? (laughs) Uh, Flat upon flat upon flat of free beer. How did that happen? That was in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Um, I actually never went on one of those runs, but... I remember Johnny, I think they used our van one time, or at least one time, and they'd just go and fuck, they had their way in and just loaded up as much as they could and got the fuck out. Explaining a bit of background on that, though, how could they load in and take it? This was beer that nobody wanted? Well, it was on the second floor, and they came in through the loading dock, and they went up the stairs. I don't know how they originally discovered that the beer was there. I was asking Brian Goble about that last night, and he says that, you know, they just saw a brewery, and they were snooping around, and... Somebody said, let's go in the loading dock and let's go up these stairs. And then they found these pellets of beer that nobody seemed to want. and They just helped themselves. And there were contests to see who could take the most beer? Well, it wasn't an actual contest, but I think Snyman Snotface won because he just wanted more beer than everyone else. Richard, what were DOA like back then? Because now Joey Shithead seems really, really nice, but back then it seems like 
They might have been pretty tough and scary. Did he really, like, break a bottle over somebody's head in Winnipeg? I was there. I saw that. I never saw that. The first time they played Winnipeg was their, uh, I can't remember the, the hall show it was, but originally it was supposed to be Black Flag and the Subhumans, and at the last minute they canceled out and DOA showed up, like, really late. One of my old bands was playing the under, under Standards or something like that. And they were playing. It was, I guess, Dave was uh, was Dave Gregg in the band then? In '81, he joined Twelve. No, games. it must have been just before he joined or something. It must have been a three-piece: just Biscuits, Rampage, and Shithead. And this guy who looked suspiciously like Don Knotts threw a bottle, and it hit Rampage in the chest. I think. No, it just missed him, or whatever. So, and then he took off Don Knotts and. Uh, Rampage and Biscuits jumped off the stage and chased him out into the front. Yeah, that was the night. And Biscuits took off his running shoe and was be- beating this guy on the on the boulevard with his running shoe. I don't remember that. I just remember uh, Randy Rampage like punching at the guy. No, I was right there when it happened. So. So was I. Well, apparently. Okay. Well, maybe. We <laughs> but I was. He was drunker than I was. <laughs> Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, it wasn't it? Wasn't biscuits? It was rampage. Come on, biscuits was only 16 at the time. I know, but biscuits fucking had took off his running shoe and was beating the guy with it. Uh, I just remember shithead breaking the wine bottle and it was hit over the guy's head. Uh, could have been a different time. <laughs> you never know. Wow, Chris, it really must have been hard to put together this book, eh? Um, yeah, it was kind of staggering at first when I started, but then it. You know, after by the time I got what half done, it uh, it became easier. You know, I thought there was actually a certain point where I, I realized that it was probably going to be able to finish it. It's, I think when I got all the posters lined up together, then I, you know, then I could see actually what happened. That was really what that was the key to uh, finishing the book. Well, the detail is amazing. As I mentioned, is that story in Joey's book? Does Joey of DOA tell that same story about the bottle or the shoe in Winnipeg? No, all he said in his book was that they played Winnipeg on that date because you know Joey did have a diary and he wrote down like you know each date of cities and but they played so many shows he couldn't didn't have room to go into detail about any of them you know. Richard, in the book, it mentions your association with Duff and the fastbacks and personality crisis and the fastbacks and stuff. I was thinking about this. The legacy of personality crisis and your recordings that are out there that maybe people don't know that you were on. Are you on the spaghetti incident by Guns N' Roses? I think you know the answer to that, yes. (laughs) You are on that, but I was confused because in the book it said Duff had you record the song with him and it ended up on Spaghetti Incident. So does that mean the rest of the band didn't play on it? No, originally I recorded it for Duff's first solo album. Um, It's called Believe in Me, I think it's called. And as the story goes, Axel heard it, the version, it's the Johnny Thunder song, Ken Patron's on a Memory. Uh, Axel heard it and demanded it demanded that it go on the spaghetti incident which is like a cover cd or record or whatever so whatever it was was duff played bass drums and acoustic guitar i think and sang and i played all the electric guitars and the solos or whatever and stuff so yeah it was just basically me and him and you were eventually given a gold record for it is it still proudly up in your place or is it in a closet 
it's actually platinum, but uh, why, why split hairs at this point in my life? Um, yes, it is up on the wall. Um, yes, it is. It's a conversation piece, if nothing else. What's that? It's a conversation piece, if nothing else. If nothing else, yes. Did you guys get any sort of record from Risky Records at all? Uh, we got a tin record. What? A tin <laughs> wood. Were you ever offered any other deals, like Personality Crisis were on Risky Records? Were you ever approached by anybody else before Risky or after Risky? I was just curious. I think once, once you've had the best, fuck the rest. I mean, we had the best record company in the world, so there was nowhere to go but down from there. <laughs> Where is Mitch Funk's shirt collection? Probably in his closet. <laughs> yeah, he still wears the same shit. Because that was a dynamic of personality crisis, wasn't it, Chris? Looking at personality crisis, Mitch had some incredible shirts. He still does. He still wears those horrible shirts. How about the other members of the band? What are they up to now, Richard? Um, are you, uh, actually, are you really phoning from L.A.? Could you be in Vancouver right now ready to do a surprise performance with personality crisis reuniting? Could that happen tonight in Vancouver? I wish. Not likely, no. No, he's really in L.A. Jim Green is in Vancouver, though. Um, Jimmy is MIA. Yeah, not really somewhere sure in Vancouver. He's in Vancouver, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, but who the fuck knows where he's at or how he's doing. I haven't talked to him in like a year now. Um, Johnny is in Vancouver. He's working, doing stuff, playing shows. Doing He plays with the Subhumans, of course. He's uh, with other bands, too. And some other other kind of local things. Yeah, I just said uh, Dwayne is in Calgary working, living, living. I think he plays every week with some friends, jams and stuff. Last I talked to him. Um, Mitch is in Winnipeg working at the St. Boniface Hospital. Back to the gig he actually had before personality crisis and then he took a few years off to enjoy the insanity and then he, once we broke up in 84, he basically went right back to the hospital. So he's been there like 20, shit, 24 years again. But he, um, he was, his longest running band is actually called Honest John. They put out like two CDs and they've got a third one they released which wasn't mixed properly. But uh, now they're, they've been uh, doing some reunion shows lately and they did one a while ago and they're planning to do another one in a few months. Strange how he'll do Honest John reunion shows but not personality crisis ones. Well, I guess he's not worried about tarnishing the image of Honest John. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to make for good radio chatter, Chris. Yeah, here, okay? I know, it is a bit sad. Well, yeah. thank you again for phoning in Richard Dugay from Personality Crisis and Chris Walter, author of the book Personality Crisis, Warm, be warm Beer. Wild, wild Times. Warm Beer and Wild Times. Just wondering here, lastly, the cover of the book, there's a guy in the background, like the band is on the cover of the, of the book, but who's that guy in the background? Bill Jackson of the Stretch Marks. So he's hiding there? Yeah. What was that photo from? Was that a publicity shot? What was that used for? Doug Misty took those, and I'm not sure. There were publicity photos, but I'm not sure. I think it's from the Royal the, Albert. That was the Wellingtons, wasn't it? No, I think it's the bathroom of the Royal Albert. Well, now he's, I've always thought that was Wellingtons. No. Did you think at all, Chris Walter, about perhaps getting John Sampson at a Weaker Thins to publish this book? Are you always going to publish your books yourself? Were you approached by anybody else? Because, you know, like Weaker Thins, Propaganda. Were you thinking of going to any Winnipeg publishers for this book? No, I wouldn't want to do that because then I'd have to share my profits with them, and uh, 
I need to eat. And there's going to be such huge profits from that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, there's there's not enough profits to share. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I need all the money for myself. Are there any cool book distros left that care about cool books? Are you having, how easy is it to make a cool book and then get a cool book distro to take it? Or are there any cool book distros? Well, uh, mostly we do the distro ourselves. You know, I've been doing, I've been building the, the network for, you know, nine years and stores come and go and I, you know, I always need more, but um, there's a, you know, Scratch distributes some of, some of my books and they get me into a lot of little towns and places that I wouldn't be able to get into otherwise. I've heard that you're big in uh, Swift Current. Yeah, I'm big in Swift and uh, Lethbridge and, you know, places like that. <laughs> yeah, me and uh, David, Hass- David Hasselhoff. But nice. uh, um, I'm you know, I'm waiting for AK Press to uh, either confirm or, I mean, accept or deny, you know, like my books. I sent them a package about a month ago, and I've been putting it off because I figure that AK Press is probably the one place that, you know, would be, you know, representative of my, my stuff, you know, and if they could get me to the places I want to go in the U.S. If people want to get your book right now through the Internet, is it gofuckyourselfpress.com? What is the yeah. actual URL for it? It's uh, punkbooks.com, but you can either Google punkbooks.com or gofuckyourselfpress, you know, or my name, and you're going to find the my, my website. Uh, it's actually my MySpace page that uh, has the uh, online uh, information for it right now. I haven't got... Uh, I haven't got my website updated for the personality crisis book yet because I'm not too swift at that kind of thing myself. And my my son, who does the actual updates, is uh, a busy man also. Chris, this is a specific publishing question, but in the book it says, Chris Walter, copyright 2008. This is like inside the first couple pages. And right underneath your name it says like 10987654321. What is that? Well, that means uh, the number that when there's, uh, a run, you know, those are the runs of books, you know, so it, right now there's 10 of them because this is the first run. The next one, I've, the next run I publish, then I remove one of those digits, so it'll just have like uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 2, it'll stop there. So every time you do a run of books, you remove one of the numbers. And there's some other numbers too, like PS8458.2008B980. Oh yeah, the, the CIS title at the those are just uh, information for uh, libraries. And there's another one, HD4504.9. Is one card catalog? What yeah, is the information? Those are, yeah, those are catalog numbers for, for libraries. Getting it done officially into the libraries. Yeah. What are you up to next, Richard? You're working on that band that Jerry Jen was talking about. What are you doing right now? Um, just waiting for our baby to appear any day now. Seven days uh, overdue. Yeah. So that's number one on the shit parade, so to speak. Um, just keep playing, you know, keep doing whatever. Tomorrow's Richard's birthday. Wouldn't it be interesting if the baby was born on that day? The day after the book came out. That's amazing. Yeah, wouldn't, and if the baby was born that day, that would really would be something, wouldn't it, Richard? That's right. A new beginning. Use it as the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> on you, and you, Chris, what are you working on next? I'm working on a, a new fiction book about... Uh, Riots during the, uh, the 210 Winter Olympics about some punk rock anarchists who want to mess it up. So that's punkbooks.com? Yeah. Punkbooks.com to pick up 
personality crisis. Warm beer and... Wild times. Wild times. And we've been speaking to Chris Walter, the author of the book, all about personality crisis, the band, and Richard Duguay, the guitarist of personality crisis. Thanks so much for phoning into the Nardware Human Serviette radio show. Really appreciate it. Check out the book launch tonight at the Cobalt. And we're going to end now, Richard, with the song Mrs. Palmer. What can you tell the people about the song Mrs. Palmer and how Mrs. Palmer has helped Personality Crisis and many other bands over the years when they're sleeping underneath buses on concrete? Um, <laughs> Mrs. Palmer is possibly the greatest song about masturbation ever written. I would, I would concur. Well, thanks very much, Chris and Richard. Anything else you want to say to the people out there at all? Nope. Great. Well, right after that, we're going to follow it up with Professional Punks by The Stretch Marks. So, well, thanks so much, Richard. Thanks so much, Chris. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot doo do loot do Doot doot.
Yeah, we're gonna get killed.